0: Okay, so let's turn to Proverbs chapter 30. And let's read verses 7 through 9. He writes, Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Remove far from me vanity and lies Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Least I be full and deny thee and say, who is the Lord? Or at least I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Father, we come now to you, Lord, and we ask that you would bless this time around your word. As we... uh, Listen to what it is that, that you would have us to, to hear. I pray Lord God in heaven that this would um, make us wise uh, give us the knowledge that we need the understanding that we seek after as we um, go through this life under the sun we pray Father in heaven for your, your, your blessing and um, just look to you to instruct us and guide us and teach us. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. So we just finished with uh, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So we talked about the biblical value of faith in God. And that is essential. That is, that is really the bedrock of our relationship with God is uh, to believe, to believe in God, believe that he is and believe that he does. In fact, uh, when uh, the folks came to Jesus and they asked Jesus, you know, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? What was it that Jesus said to these people? He said, this is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. And so it's our faith in Jesus Christ is fundamental. Um, Colossians 2.6 says As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord so, ye walk, so walk ye in him How did you receive Christ as your Savior? By faith How do you walk with Jesus? By faith So faith is critical Faith is crucial uh, With our faith What we're doing is We are acknowledging that God is trustworthy That we can lean on him, that we can look to him for direction. So with this in mind, I want to temporarily set aside the book of Proverbs. And I want to uh, talk about some things as we leave Proverbs and we go to our next study. And this godly man here is uh, praying to the Lord and he's asking God two things. Two very simple things that he asks for God uh, to um, fulfill in his life. And he says, I require of thee. That word require is a, a request, a plea. This is something that he considers extremely important. And so he looks to the only one that can provide this very important thing that he needs for his life. And so what are these two things here that, he, that he's, you know, he's, he's praying, Lord, I believe that you are the God. I acknowledge you in my life. You are my light. I need two things from you, Lord. And what are these two things that he asks for? One, to keep me on the right path. Keep from me vanity and lies. Keep me on that straight and narrow. Keep me on that path of the just. Keep me on that path that is lit by your light. Keep me on that path. Keep me from vanities and lies. And then he says, he says, give me, um, feed me with food convenient for me. In other words, he's saying. Keep me on the path of the just and give me the necessities of my life. Not too much, not too little, but what I need, what I require, the necessities of life. Does that kind of remind you of another prayer that you might find in the Gospels? Remember when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray? And two things that Jesus included in this prayer, he says, give us this day our daily bread, provide me the necessities of life. He also prayed, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Same thing here. Keep me from vanities and lies in this life. Keep me from vanities and lies in this life. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. That's what we want to pray. God, keep me on that straight path. Keep me from vanity and lies. Keep me from things that's going to lead me astray. You know, as you read through the book of Proverbs, time and time again, you're introduced to the godly and the ungodly. The prudent and the lazy, you know, the scorner and the righteous. We have all these contrasting characteristics in the book of Proverbs. We're also here in the book of Proverbs time and time again about the son, you know, stay true. Guard your heart. Stay on that right path. Beware of this gal. Beware of this guy that's going to lead you astray that's true in your life and it's in my life too guys it's a reality that we face every day every day and this is what concerned this man this man had no doubt about the keeping power of god he had no doubt at all about the keeping power of god He knew that God was a safe place. He knew that God was his strong tower. He knew that in God, there was security. There was no doubt in his mind that the Lord was his place of refuge. Do you know where his doubt lay? It was in himself. He knew that in that relationship, he was the weak partner. He was the one that was more prone to stray than God was. And so he was praying, Lord, keep me from vanities and lies. Keep me on that path of the just that gets brighter and brighter. He knew that he was the weak partner in the relationship. Proverbs 14.8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. It is a conceited man or woman who believes that they will never fall. It is a prideful man or woman who believes that they will never be led astray into error. That's just pure conceit. That's pride. That's pride. Proverbs 16, 18 said Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. (laughs) Be be wary, guys. Don't ever come to the place in your mind that you believe that you are immune to being led astray. Don't ever come to the place in your heart and mind thinking that you're going to stand strong and that you'll never fall or you'll never falter. Or you'll never get led astray. Be careful of that. Be careful of that. I knew a man some years ago who boasted of this very thing. He did. He boasted that he would never fall away. He was so confident in himself that he was almost intolerant. Almost intolerant. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand take heed, lest he what? that's exactly what happened to him brilliant man very smart man and he would read a lot and what happened was he got a hold of some stuff that he couldn't handle and he fell away he quit going to church he quit reading his bible and he started serving the world now I don't think the man lost his salvation but as far as his relationship to God was concerned it was pretty much nil and void or null and void and it wasn't until uh, what, about a month before he died he found out he had lung cancer about three months that he repented That I repented. Realizing, man, what a stupid thing I just did. Remember Peter? Remember what Peter said? Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. You know, if you were one of the disciples and you knew Peter and you hung out with Peter, you probably would have believed that of Peter. Because Peter was one of those, you know... uh, manly men. I mean, you didn't want to mess with Peter. I mean, Peter was a very strong character. He's very bold. I mean, he's the one that says, Thou art the Christ and hath the words of eternal life. You didn't mess with Peter. Me- Peter was a man. But what happened? What happened? He ran like the rest of them. He denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would just like he said he would Moses was another godly man he was also very aware of the influences that would lead people astray and he says to the people of Israel in Exodus twenty-three thirteen, he says in all things that I have said unto you be circumspect and have no mention of the names of other gods neither let it be heard out of thy mouth circumspect don't really hear that word very much do you the word circumspect comes from the Latin. It means circum around, specre, which means to look. Which means you look around, you keep your eyeballs open. What is it the military says? Keep your head on a swivel. Keep your head on a swivel. Be aware of the, of the danger that, that is around you. Be on guard. We cannot afford to be lazy. We cannot afford to be lackadaisical, but yet we are. We are. We're very lazy. We're very lackadaisical. Guys, we are surrounded by lies. We are surrounded by vanities that all of them seek to draw you away from your relationship with God. They may not have your soul, but they can neutralize you. They can neutralize you. And that's what they're wanting to do. And tragically, many Christians, they do, they fall asleep at the wheel and they soon find themselves off the road and into the weeds. Ephesians 5.14-17 says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk, again, here's that word, circumspectly, not as fools but as wise redeeming the con- time because the days are evil wherefore be ye not unwise but understanding what the will of the Lord is Martin Luther King said nothing is more dangerous in the world than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity so this God fearing man in Proverbs he prays to God before I die give me two things Make sure these two things are in my life. He says, Remove far from me vanity and lies. There are many, many vanities in this old world. And each vanity has its own lie that holds out to you this vanity. Each vanity has its own lie that holds out to you and says, look, you can believe in this vanity. You can believe in this vanity. And here's why. It's very clever, very subtle. Now, vanity has been defined by, you know, in many ways. One way is it means uh, it's something that's empty, something that's of no value, something that is meaningless or, or shallow uh, one person that, I kind of like this definition a little bit uh, he defined it as the and I'm going to have to read this because this is a mouthful this is the inscrutable repetitiveness of life that beggars the question of why bother that's why I drew this picture here you've got this guy filling the wheelbarrow you've got another guy that's hauling it up to the top of the cliff and he's dumping it back down and then this guy refills the wheelbarrow hauls it back and it's just that repetitiveness in life like what's the sense in all of this? rancid Crabtree. I I know you guys don't know who he is But Rancid Crabtree would He would be a big proponent of this He says, why bother taking your boots and clothes off When you go to bed You're just going to have to put them back on again When he gets up in the morning Right? So why bother? Why bother? I know you guys don't know who he is For me, a simple definition of vanity is this. It's anything or anyone that you set as a higher priority in your life than the Lord Jesus Christ. It's anything or anyone that you set as a higher priority in life than the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that something or someone the end and means of your life, is that what you live for? Is that what identifies you? Your whole purpose of being is wrapped up in that person or in that thing without Jesus Christ. Without Jesus Christ. If you're living your life without Jesus Christ... You're li- you're living a meaningless and pointless life. I said it. There's a lot of people who get upset with that, but it's true. It's true. That's what the Apostle Paul found out. Paul in Philippians chapter three, verses four through six. His birthright, his chosen race, his family heritage, his religion, his status in that religion and culture, his zeal for his religion and culture, and more importantly, his self-righteousness. What was his conclusion of all of that without Jesus Christ? Yeah, it was done. That's what he called it. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You see, the person who acknowledges God in their life breaks this cycle. Life is no longer a pointless churning of doing the same thing again and again with no aim in sight except your own death. Anything that you count in life that's absolutely essential to who you are, your purpose in life... Devoid of Jesus Christ is vanity. Vanity. And then coupled with vanity, this man also asks that God uh, remove lies from him as well. Lies and vanity go hand in hand. Lies and vanity go hand in hand. These lies are are, are words meant to misdirect from what is true and meaningful. Do you know what the very first lie ever spoken was? I know you know this. There you go. Yea, hath God said. And then there comes the vanity. There comes that vanity. With each vanity we face in life, there is a corresponding lie attached to it. There is a, yea, hath God said, attached to that vanity. And the lie is presented in such a way that it often appears to confirm the truth, in quotation marks, of that vanity. You know, without God's word to shed light on our way, the vanities of this life would appear to be very important. They would appear to be, that's the way I need to go. That's the way I need to be. That's who I should be. So turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. The author of Proverbs is the same author of of Ecclesiastes. And the book of Ecclesiastes addresses at least ten vanities under the sun. And these ten vanities in the light of eternity is a lie that men often fall under the spell of. And therefore they spend their entire lives pursuing this vanity based upon this lie and in the end they realize when it comes to the time of their death that they've wasted their life. So what I plan on doing (laughs) is to just give you a What's the word I'm looking for? A survey or, you know, kind of like an overview. Nothing in depth. Nothing in depth. Just kind of like an overview of of these vanities. So look at uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We'll look at the very first vanity. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 14 uh, through 16. And uh, is there someone in here brave enough to read verses 14 through 16? Out loud. Go ahead. The wise man's eyes are in his head. The fool walketh in darkness. I myself perceive also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, As it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, that this is also his vanity, for there is no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool forever. Seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten, and how the wise man? as Okay, so the first vanity that this uh, writer of Ecclesiastes is also called the preacher. Mentions is what uh, I guess could be referred to as the vanity of human wisdom. The vanity of human wisdom. Uh, this is wisdom without God's input. All right, this is this is wisdom without God's revelation. This is wisdom that doesn't even acknowledge God at all. This is this is man's wisdom. This is human wisdom, and this is wisdom that is limited to the. Earthly senses. Okay? This is wisdom that man picks up by his senses. And by his own fallen reasoning. Alright? So this is, this is the vanity of, of human wisdom without the aid of divine revelation. Now, it has to be understood that the writer of Ecclesiastes is looking at life under the sun. Okay, This is life on earth without regard to heaven. In other words, if there were no God, this is, this is life on earth. Uh, he does mention God. He does point to God throughout Ecclesiastes. But he's looking at life uh, without eternity in view. Okay. Uh, in fact he he asks a question in Ecclesiastes 1-3 he says what profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun so that's, that's his, what do they call that his thesis or his theme so he's setting out to answer that question in other words he's asking is life worth living and what makes it worth living what makes it worth filling that wheelbarrow up, hauling it up to the top of the hill, and then dumping it and then just refilling it? What makes all that worth it? So the preacher sets himself on a quest to discover the answer. And so, what's a good place to start? Wisdom. Human wisdom. What can I figure out? What can human wisdom uh, tell me? The context of this verse that Matt read for us is Ecclesiastes two fourteen through 16, where the preacher uh, says in verse 13 of uh, chapter 1, uh, he set his heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all the things that are done under heaven. So what he's done prior to what Matt read is he gave a testimonial to all of his possessions and all of his great works that he performed and all of the, the building uh, projects he went through and all of this he did by exercising his wisdom and his knowledge and you know, architecture and husbandry. And, in other words, all these things that he accomplished through his wisdom, his ingenuity, his, his cleverness. And he steps back and he asks the question, what is the profit in all of this? What really is the profit? What is the value in all of this? Men spend li- a lifetime in, an, in, in these endeavors, right? They, they build these, these empires for themselves only to die and leave it to somebody He's probably going to tear it all down. Right? That's what he says. He says the wise man dies just like the fool. Men spend a lifetime in in the pursuit of knowledge. Countless hours of research and study. Untold wealth spent in the obtaining of knowledge about everything under the sun. They want to know the secrets of the universe. And so they spend all this money, all this effort. We've got Things flying around this planet that's peering off into vast distances of the universe. And they're looking for the answers. What is the secret behind all of this? They earn degrees, doctorates, they establish institutes of learning. They believe that they're adding to the accumulative wisdom of the ages. Yet when they die... They die just like the uh, meth addict on the street or the criminal in the noose or the cancer patient in the hospital. Listen to some of the folks who are pursuing this human wisdom. I'm going to quote three uh, three folks. One, We live in a culture where there's a premium on having the answers. That's a true statement. We hold in high esteem those who can figure things out. We've seen that here recently, haven't we? Who appear to understand how it all works, right? This nation has listened to experts. The majority of our educational system is geared towards gathering knowledge and authority based on that knowledge. We think we understand how this planet works and why certain things happen. We believe in cause and effect, even on the personal level. As we get older, we begin to think we understand what it means to be human, what our purpose is, what it's all about. And the conclusion of all this is this. We don't have a clue. another person another big thinker he writes no human being has ever experienced the actual world your experience of the world comes to you through the signals of a group of peripheral devices called senses those signals are then assembled in the brain into some kind of experience It's important to remember that this experience is a brain-generated hallucination or fantasy. Not the actual outside world. It's just like a really, really high-resolution virtual reality. A third one. Will science ever be able to provide all the answers? Human brains are the product of blind and unguided evolution. Under the sun. Okay? Remember what I said about that? They were designed to solve... Okay. He uses the word evolution and then he uses the word design. They were designed to solve practical problems impinging on our survival and reproduction. Not to unravel the fabric of the universe. This realization has led some philosophers to embrace a curious form of pessimism arguing there are bound to be things we will never understand. Human science will therefore one day hit a hard limit and may already have done so. So there's three perspectives from very intelligent people who think with a mind under the sun so the, the lie here associated with human vanity of wisdom is this one says we don't know the other says it's all a hallucination or a fantasy and the third says we can never know human wisdom the vanity of human wisdom now admittedly man's ingenuity has accomplished some great things I mean, man's ingenuity, um, better medical procedures. I mean, there are things that happen to the human body that maybe 10, 20 years ago would have meant a death sentence for some. But because of the advances in medicine, their chances of survival is better. Right? So advances in medical uh, procedures, more efficient use of resources, uh, communications, right? Right? I don't have to bang on a drum anymore to talk to somebody uh, transportation can you imagine back in the day if we had to ride a horse I live in Belton I'd still be on the way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean there's, there are things definitely that you know, man's ingenuity has improved the quality of life But there's also been things that man's ingenuity has not improved the quality of life. And are these advances truly something different and unique? Are they really? I mean, aren't they simply improvements on things that were there when Adam took his first breath? There is still a need to communicate there is still a need to go from one place to another nothing's new under the sun it's just an improvement on those things one thing is certain with all of the collective wisdom gathered by man there has been no fundamental change to his sin nature, has there? with all of our ingenuity with all of our means of communication with all of our transportation we have not evolved into being a more benevolent creature the only thing that we have accomplished I shouldn't say the only thing we have accomplished what we become more efficient about is how to kill our fellow man I mean in the, back in Cain and Abel he hit him with a rock Today, we simply unleash a virus. That's the only thing we've really become efficient about. But there's been no change to the human heart. The vanity of human wisdom is that we don't have a clue about what our purpose is without God. That life is, is nothing more than some form of hallucination brought about by our senses and we will never come to a place where we will know the secrets of all things that's human wisdom Proverbs 9, 9, and 11 says give instruction to a wise man and he will yet be wiser teach a just man and he will increase in learning the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding for by me thy days be multiplied and the years of thy life shall be increased the truth is this folks this is what human wisdom misses, the truth is this we are living eternal souls we were designed by God to live for eternity we were designed by God to know God that's why he gave us intelligence and emotions and a will we are designed to know God we are designed to love God and love others and to the chagrin of human wisdom God is the reality that they're looking for He is the answer that they're searching for. But as long as they keep themselves trapped under the sun, they'll never find him. They'll never find him. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we might do all the words of his law he's given us his revelation and it's up to you yeah they're trapped under the wrong sun that's good Diane that's exactly what it is they're trapped under the wrong sun so the vanity of human wisdom so beware of that beware of that so that's what he's saying keep from me the vanity of lies He says I want to know you You are the wisdom You are the knowledge You are the understanding And then you have the vanity of human labor Alright The vanity of human labor Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 Verses 17 through 19 So we have the vanity of human wisdom Any comments on that Before I go on Preach it. <laughs> okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verses 17 through 19. Somebody want to read that for me please? Therefore I read Thank you Um, I don't know if you guys might remember this about 20 years ago there was a bumper sticker that was very popular that said uh, he who dies with the most toys wins anybody remember that he who dies with the most toys (laughs) wins Uh, that's a narcissistic statement if I've ever heard one I remember the first time I saw that I'm thinking oh that poor joker it reminded me of a boy I once knew who, um, whose mom and dad deprived him of nothing. If he wanted it, they got it. And the funny thing about this kid is that even though he had all these toys, all this stuff, nobody wanted to be his friend. <laughs> because he was so selfish. He was so selfish. Nobody wanted to be his friend so he had all this stuff but really he was a very lonely lonely little boy lonely little boy this kind of attitude is um, similar to the man who uh, remember him, I think it's in Luke chapter um, oh come on Jeff 12 the fellow who wanted to he had a good harvest so what was his plan He's going to tear down his barns and build bigger bigger barns and then sit back and enjoy the fruits of his labor. What happened to that guy? He died that night, didn't he? He died that night. Yeah, he had a great plan. He's going to build bigger barns. He's going to enjoy the fruit of his labors. But then he dies that night. You know, people do that all the time. They forfeit their souls for stuff. For stuff they can't keep it they can't now don't, don't misunderstand what the Bible's saying. the Bible says we should work. the Bible said that is a commendable uh, virtue it's a, it's a commendable character trait to work, to be someone out there who uh, you know supports the family and so forth and so on. so don't get me wrong about that. Uh, Proverbs is is full of of exhortations. Don't be the the uh, the what do they call them the slothful. Be the diligent person. Be the diligent person. So we sh- we should work. Uh, even the Apostle Paul, you know he he excited he, he you know he exhorted the idlers in in the church in Thessalonica. He said here in Second Thessalonians three ten. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now then that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Because you know, they believe that Jesus is coming soon. And so they said, well, why bother to work? Um, you know, so what they were doing is they were being a burden on everybody else. Well, you don't want to be a burden. Now I understand some folks cannot... You know, there's some sort of limitation, something's going on, but if you're an able bodied person, then the Bible says, get out there and and pull your share. So I don't think I've got any argument on that with anybody here. Okay, so we understand that. So he's not preaching, you know, uh, against idleness, but what he is warning us about is what countless and countless and countless people do as they become ensnared in this cycle of always laboring, always trying to obtain, always trying to get more, that constant work their life is devoted to their job. You ever known anybody like that? What was it about uh, I, I read the, I don't know if this is the same. But about 10 or 15 years ago, I read a report that uh, men who would retire from their jobs. uh, I can't remember the percentage, it was a pretty high percentage, it was kind of shocking. After they retire, two years, they're dead. And what they found out was, is because these guys invested, that was their, their job was their life. That was their purpose for getting up in the morning that was their purpose in life and then once that was gone they just lost you know any reason to live and so they ended up they died within two, two and a half years because that's what what their life was all about people work all their life to accumulate stuff only to die and like it says here give it to somebody (laughs) who doesn't appreciate the labor that went into it to obtain it right and so what happens to all that stuff it ends up in a garage sale or something else people spend their lifetimes building castles of sand that only death sweeps away that's life under the sun that's a vanity that countless of people have become ensnared in again it's not the work it's the attitude of heart it's the attitude of heart God has no issue with folks who work in fact the preacher in ecclesiastes says it's a good thing it's a good thing the key to labor remember now we're talking about folks who are living under the sun without any idea without any thought for God the key to all of your work whatever it is you do Whether you're a a CPA, is that the right initials? Or you work on a packaging line in a pharmaceutical company, or you mop floors in a bathroom at Walmart, you put God in that labor. You put God in that labor. You put God in all your labor. Ecclesiastes 2.24 says, There is nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink and that he should make his his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of God. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you enjoying the fruits of your labor. As long as God is a part of that enjoyment. Okay? Okay? 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. I've had some pretty crummy jobs in my day. I've had some pretty crummy jobs in my day. But praise God, I knew Jesus Christ. I remember one time when I was working at TWA, uh, they had shipped cases and cases and cases of escargot. You know what escargot is? These were live snails. Well, something happened while loading. Some of these cases had broken up, had uh, had broken open, and that cargo bay was covered with these huge black snails. Many of them, because those cargo bins aren't uh, pressurized, many of them died. (laughs) And when they popped that door... Well, guess whose job it was (laughs) to go in there and all the nooks and crannies and pull out those little snail carcasses. Yeah. Praise God for Jesus that day. Praise God for Jesus that day. You see, the lie is that what we accomplish in life under the sun in the here and now is the whole purpose of life. That's the whole meaning of life no it's not it may be important it may be vital you know you could be a, a medical researcher trying to find a cure for cancer yes that is important it's vital don't misunderstand what I'm saying but what's the heart attitude you guys are are you familiar with the program Big Bang Theory never watched it it can be kind of funny But to me, what an insight to that kind of mentality. You know, they're pursuing after the secrets of the universe, but you know what they're really focused on? Their own glory. Their own glory. They're pursuing the Nobel Prize. They're pursuing this reward. They're pursuing this recognition. They're pursuing, it's all about their own glory. Their own glory. Working in and of itself will never satisfy the deeper need of the heart. I know folks who you would classify as workaholics. And the reason why they work, 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 because they don't like what it is they see of themselves when they stop working. See what I'm saying? It's kind of like a drug to them. As long as they can keep working, it keeps their mind off of their ruined marriage, or their character, or whatever's going on. Ecclesiastes 2.25-26 through 26 says, For who can eat, or, or who else can hasten hereunto more than I? For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight, wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner he giveth travail, to gather and to heap up, that he may give to him that is good before God. This, is also, this also is vanity and vexation of spirit." You know, the Lord is the one who gives things to us and also he is the one that gives us the power to enjoy these things. Uh, these are distinct gifts from God to man. I heard this illustration one time. Um, just as a, you've got a can of peaches and you've got a can opener. Right? Right? Uh, both of these are distinct let's call them distinct gifts alright for the man who lives under the sun they've got the can of peaches okay they've got the can of peaches they can hold that can in their hands, they can read the label they've got the can of peaches but the man who labors and has God in his life he not only has a can of peaches but he's got the can opener. So he can open that can and enjoy the fruits of that can. If you have God in your life he's not only given you the can of peaches but he's also giving you the can opener. You see what I'm saying? So instead of being like these poor jokers caught in this constant cycle under the sun break out of that cycle and dedicate whatever you do for the glory of God get God involved because he wants to be involved he wants to be a part of that The believer in God who acknowledges God and all that he does, he's given both the can of peaches and the can opener. God has not only given us the stuff, but he's also given us the ability to enjoy that stuff. Right? Because I'm telling you, those folks who are laboring who've got the can of peaches, they might say they're really enjoying that can, but are they really? And then when they die, without Christ that can has never been opened never been opened I'm going to stop there any questions or comments on what I've been talking about do you understand what I mean when he's saying keep me from vanities and lies because these are things in life that we face every day and it says hey come this way hey Try this out. Watch out for that stuff. Because I'll bet every one of us in this room have said, you know what? (laughs) I've been there. I've been there. Praise God for Jesus. Amen. Right, let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, which is indeed a light unto our path. Oh, Father in heaven, help us not to forsake it, but Lord God, help us to search it and study it and get to know it. For in knowing it, Lord, we know you. We thank you and praise you that you are the reality, that we are not living some hallucination, some fantasy, that you are the repository of all knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Father in heaven, thank you so much for not only sharing with us the gift of the peaches, but the gift of the canoper, that we might enjoy life because of Jesus Christ. In his name we praise you and thank you. Amen.